Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she should if not she get re- it? If she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again? No, she year? doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be- it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. Wait a minute. Hello, friends. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for tuning in. Wait a minute. Did I just hear that right? And the voice, as you know, is Sir Anthony Fauci, um, the god, small g, that had so much influence worldwide. And of course, I want to remind you, he was unelected. Um, But yeah, that is pretty amazing that he said what most of us had known and what so-called, well, this is what science is, what he was saying. And now he is now professing, no, 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 that doesn't, that's not the case anymore. So um, before, I want to just bring in our guest, John Haller, and talk about this before we, um, we're going to open and I have to make another announcement. But John, a pastor, elder, teacher, Fellowship Bible Church in, or Bible Chapel in Ohio, known for his prophecy updates. And uh, he did a record-setting prophecy update Almost two hours on Sunday. Hey, John, so let's get right to this clip. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey, how you doing? Good. So Fauci um, contradicted himself again on something pretty major. What, what are your thoughts? Well, look, there was a uh, report just recently in the New York I believe it was in the New York Times. I, I read a lot of media, so sometimes I don't... Uh, I always get this, but look, Fauci calls himself Mr. Science. So which Mr. Science do we believe? Do we believe the Mr. Science in that clip from 2004, which talks about natural immunity, which is what a lot of us have been saying, which, which is what a lot of, um, um, a lot of doctors who have uh, advocated alternative treatments or therapeutics Mm -hmm. early on in this thing, instead of, bringing people to the hospital, you know, to the ER and say, okay, go home until you can't breathe and then come in and we'll give you remdesivir uh, or something like that. And they've changed the name of remdesivir now too. I can't remember the name um, that they're using. So the, yeah, uh, we and, announced it yesterday and I forgot the yeah, name. Yeah, I, I heard, yes, yeah. I did hear, that's where I heard it. And I looked it up and it <laughs> is, it says, yeah, this used to be known as remdesivir. So listen, so it makes sense to everybody that natural immunity would work that let's say there are, 15 elements of the virus and you get infected naturally, your body will mount a defense to like all 15 elements of that, which is very robust defense. And it will last for a long time, sometimes for a lifetime, Hmm. certainly for a number of years as the research has shown in regard to what I refer to as Charlie Vector 019ers. So I can get by the YouTube sensors, but, but, but then they give us, you know, a, a, these spike proteins and these vaccines that are not the full virus. And so you mount a defense to that, but you're not defended against the full virus. So it makes sense. And the Anthony Fauci of 2004, before, you know, there were huge vaccines and a lot of money to be made and everything. And a lot of contributions coming from drug companies to fund the FDA. I would highly recommend that you read uh, Robert F. Kennedy's book on Fauci Hmm. Uh, because you will find that the, a lot of the budget of our regulators uh, that that Fauci works for, and he's the highest paid government employee, by the way, yep. beyond even the president by quite a bit. His wife is also one of the highest paid government employees. She's an ethicist in that area, which seems to be a bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, but, no one talks about that. I mean, so it's just... Um, it's amazing. So, you, I mean, it's very easy. It, it, there's one good thing about the internet and that type of thing is uh, things on the internet do last forever. You can find them and drag them out. So that was a C-SPAN interview 
on Washington Journal back in 2004, where he said natural immunity, that that's, that's the best thing you're going to get. Yep, yep. And you didn't need the vaccine. So we, Fauci, but now you need the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. So Fauci agreed with Rand Paul back then. <laughs> so, and us, most of us. Hey, and, and by the way, what you just said about uh, the Internet and being able to search something out, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have agreed with you 100 percent. But now um, I'm sure they would pull off things like that that don't reflect what they want to portray about their heroes, whether that be, uh, you know, Biden, Harris, Obama, Pelosi, Fauci and any globalist. They'll pull that or they'll they'll censor that. So you cannot sure. see that anymore. Yeah, they'll try to give the Internet uh, dementia that yeah. they can't uh, remember <laughs> those facts. But there is a thing called archive.org. So if you can find the web address hmm. that's not available, the web page. For example, the um, Black Lives Matter. They used to have a thing on their website that said that they were about tearing down mm -hmm. the, the family, yes. the nuclear family they were attacking, which is kind of interesting, the fam the a, a, a verse or a, a phrase that's used by a, an emergent author named Deb Hirsch. And I heard her, you know, like I heard her say it, it, it conservative evangelical national church conference say we need to get over our idolatry of the nuclear family she then went to the big urbana conference that's now held in st louis every year and she did the same thing and they <clears throat> gave her book out for free so this stuff permeates everything now it, it, it permeates the church uh and so black lives matter said we don't we want to get rid of the nuclear family they removed that from their website uh, but you can go to archive.org and you can find the page that they used to have up. And so I get those things when I see that they're missing and yeah. I try to save them so I can use them in the future. I mean, we attorneys, you know, as a, someone who's been a trial lawyer for a long time, we love prior inconsistent statements. And I would mm -hmm. love, I, I mean, every trial lawyer who would want to cross-examine Anthony Fauci would see this clip and they're just salivating like, <laughs> I just want to hammer him with it at trial or at a hearing or the deposition and yeah. see what he does. But, um, yeah, well, most of us believe yeah, this is the way it is. Yeah. We, we believe he should be fired. He should be arrested and imprisoned, convicted, and then imprisoned for crimes against humanity and uh, what he has contributed to the deaths of who knows what the true numbers are. Uh, people that, that didn't really need certain treatments from hospitals, but the protocols insisted, like we had on yesterday, Scott Shera about his daughter, Grace. And by the way, friends, that uh, protest slash uh, rally slash memorial for Grace Shera is this Friday in Appleton, Wisconsin, outside St. Elizabeth's Hospital at 9 a.m. You can get info on our website. But um, let's go to another story here since we're talking about COVID and, and uh, corruption um, the blaze broke this. I think it was about a week ago. Fox News and Newsmax, Newsmax even took Biden money to push deadly covid vaccines to their viewers. Corporate news outlets did not disclose the money they took. And so this was kind of a, a revealing a story uh, broke by the blaze uh, in response to a Freedom of Information Act. So, John, as a lawyer, here you go. Your thoughts on that. They, they had to uh, provide this information um, in response to a request for this filed by the blaze. So your thoughts on what we really don't know about even so-called conservative outlets? Well, you know, they're, they're in the money business. So I assume that they're going to take money. They take advertisements and that type yes, of thing yes, from, from anybody companies. I'm sure they don't agree with, but the, the bigger picture, the bigger story here is that certainly the drug companies, and there has been a tremendous amount of money to be made. I believe that Pfizer has pulled in something in the neighborhood of $55 billion, $57 billion in revenue over the past year. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the costs to make this thing are not that great. And remember, the, remember there used to be all this stuff of like, oh, it has to be stored at 230 degrees below zero, and how are we going to ship this? And that just doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. Hmm. But... Uh, yeah, the, the the profits they've made, I I can't. I saw some place where I saw the number. It was somewhere like fifteen to twenty people had become billionaires because of their ownership of Pfizer and mm -hmm. other stock in these vaccine manufacturers. And remember, and the thing is, you always go to the pharmacy. I mean, I'm on some medications. I'm an old guy. 
and <laughs> there's always a sign there, get your free vaccine. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If it's free, why are they, why have they taken in $57 billion in revenue? Who is paying for that? Mm-hmm. So they take part, they take, in addition to that, they just reallocate this money. And this is a corruption in government. This is what I've talked about many times before. Mm-hmm. When Obama's administration worked out, the first two administrations worked out settlements with these big financial companies, that money was laundered through a series of LLCs to these left-wing LLCs, NGOs, advocacy groups. And so the 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 money that, you know, they complain about conservatives spending money or peppering money into campaigns. Remember, the left always lies. That's just assumed that they're lying. And they always accuse you of doing what they're doing. So they were laundering this money for years. And I just, it's its never been investigated or anything because I think everybody gets this money in Washington and then they get money to the media and the media goes with the stories. Our guest today is John Haller. You can see his uh, recent prophecy update on his website, on his YouTube channel, I should say. And we got that linked at the post, standupforthetruth.com. And I want to shout out now to our friends uh, real quick over at Red Pill Prince who have taken up uh, Stand Up For The Truth gear. They've done all this merch for us and the designs. Uh, We have done None of that. We give them the credit, and they, they wanted to do that because they supported the podcast, and this is their way of uh, helping us. So praise God. I want to shout out to their son, Isaac, who is 12 years old. Hey, Isaac, thanks for the great new design. He's got uh, Billy, their, um, their Red Pill Prince guy, saying, keep speaking the truth about things that matter, and with the Stand Up For The Truth logo on the new shirt or sweatshirt or hoodie. So thank you, guys, and you can go to friends, uh, StandUpForTheTruth.com. And up in the left-hand corner, it says merch. So, uh, Lord God, continue to guide our conversation today and encourage our listeners, but also help us be wise and test all things as believers in Christ and give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Um, One thing we also needed to talk about, John, before we get into some deeper topics. By the way, guys, we're going to speak about Disney and the corruption and perversion there, the wokeness inside Disney. Walt would be rolling over if there was such a thing as a corpse rolling over in the dirt under the ground. Uh, We'll talk about ESPN as well. Uh, The Hunter Biden laptop story is now apparently a true story, whereas right before the 2020 election, it was uh, Russian disinformation or whatever. And then we'll talk about Israel and the uh, ongoing debate over the two-state solution. And we are going to go back to Yuval Harari and talk about some of his background, his books. He, He is influential, one of the most dangerous, evil um, wicked man, men affiliated with the World Economic Forum. So that's all to come. But right now, John Haller, Hillsong. I know you've seen the headlines. You've read the recent articles on more and more pastors across the country announcing their resignation from the church. Uh, one pastor recently said he's taken his congregation with him. But just your thoughts on the, just the sad topic of Hillsong as a whole, the mothership, and then all the churches underneath now. Yeah. Look, um, you know, this is kind of a frustrating thing that uh, some of us who pay attention to things that are going on, we get a little, we, we talk about these things over time and it just yes. doesn't seem like it does any, any good, mm-hmm. but there are, but I do see, uh, groups on Facebook, the people who've come out of this stuff and, uh, it's very easy. I, I know that uh, you know, pastors uh, get very busy with a lot of different things and they assign the music to someone and somebody will choose music from Bethel or Hillsong and they really won't look at um, what's behind it. Yes. You know, I, 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 I had a very well-known, very good speaker who I deeply respect and I saw on his website once that he was linking to a Bethel technical group. And I said, you know, I, I wrote to someone to get to him and said, you know, you really need to get that off of there because it's just not good being associated with that. And so, you know, some of the music is okay. I mean, it's, it's not deep or anything like that, but then it's, it's the, it's sort of like the entry level drug to really bad theology. I so like that. Hillsong has been a, a big money machine <laughs> mm. for a long time. It's, um, 
it, it, you know, there's been some corruption there. Uh, Frank Houston, uh, Brian Houston's father, who's been uh, really was the sort of the found the guy who merged this thing into Hillsong many years ago. His father's been accused of, I think he's dead now, but he's been accused of uh, sexually abusing uh, young boys, I believe, mm-hmm. young girls or boys. I, I don't remember. It was, it was clearly inappropriate. And then there's uh, Brian Houston now has been charged with covering that up by and So there may be a trial soon. Then he came out recently and said that, you know, he had had some inappropriate discussions with women. Um, That's putting it mildly. But, you know, look, we, we should have known this. <clears throat> I mean, you, you, you could have watched what was going on with Carl Lentz as the pastor of Hillsong, New York city. Yes. And the people he was associating with. And then it came out that he'd had multiple affairs. <laughs> So usually this, the stuff, uh, you know, what, what do they say? It rots from the head down. Mm. And this has been, you know, Hillsong has been a huge, uh, money machine. I, you know, Darlene Zesh who left Hillsong many years ago, you know, has a worth from her worship music and the millions of dollars. She oh now pastors God. a church with oh. her husband in Australia. So, uh, I just think people need to be very careful and, and the pastors need to be willing to listen to people who express concerns about the worship music that's coming out of Bethel and, and Hillsong and some other places, uh, Elevation Church uh, in uh, Charlotte, uh, Stephen Furtick, mm-hmm. uh, who brings in, you know, word, faith, oneness, Pentecostal guys like uh, T.D. Jakes and praises them on stage and Joyce Meyer and all these other people um, who even had a coloring book made up by him. I hope you don't have a coloring book made up about you by your, your friends over there that are <laughs> selling merchandise, but this is a church for crying out loud. They had a yeah. children's coloring book for the pastor. I mean, I've, I've done many presentations on that. I've done presentations on Andy Stanley and some of the things he's getting into and how influential he is. And, and someone, well, I read on the internet that, look, I don't know if it's true, but uh, let's just say this, Andy Stanley has a net worth in the tens of millions of dollars. And I'm sure that this is true for a lot of these pastors at some of these big churches, uh, particularly on this word faith money preacher side. Um, I think pastors just need to be careful and willing to go and dig a little bit because the, the music is a big deal. I mean, I go to churches that I actually like, but they're, you know, it's like 30, 35, 40 minutes you're standing there singing songs. Um, we don't do that at our church, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we sing one or two and, and then we get to the, to the meat of the matter. And, and that's a, a individual or, you know, different decision based on pastors and churches and congregations. But what your point earlier that, that you made about the theology, the, the lacking theology, let's put it correctly in most worship songs today, maybe not most, but a large number of worship songs if, if someone that knows the Word of God um, is watching the lyrics up there, if they project them on, the, on a screen or wherever, it, it would be distracting because you're trying to figure out, at least I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, you're trying to figure out, okay, how is this biblical? And I know this is a fun, I mean, it's a, it's a positive song. It's a song about, you know, God blessing me, um, and he does bless me, but is that what it's all about? And so, John, your thoughts on that? Uh, because it can be distracting to those who know the Word of God and want to really worship Him and be theologically correct in what they are singing. Well, you know, I think that sometimes with that music, what it, it, it does have sort of a hypnotic effect to it. By design, um, by design, yes. I, I yeah, and and it and it just uh, because then and then people associate feeling with worship, and once you associate feeling with worship, you're mm-hmm. going to associate feeling with theology, and this is the whole point of what we used to talk about the emerging emerging church emergent church and what they were bringing in was that you know you have your own truth and you can determine your own truth but it became truth based on your feelings and i mean, I, I talked about this over 20 years ago at a conference out in california about how postmodernism would would hurt the church and i i remember i had one pastor kind of pull me aside for lunch and say you got this all wrong. Postmodernism, this this will help the church because people are asking questions. I'm like, I don't care if they're asking questions. That's fine. Are you giving them answers? That's the important thing. Are you giving them answers based on the truth of the word of God? Mm. Uh, and and that's and so it just has a tendency to undermine 
that. And and I don't like I don't like the lights. I don't like the uh, effects, you know, the the, the, the atmosphere and that type of thing. Yeah. Hey, I was with Ed Decker, a great apologist. You may know Ed once and we were driving out in Palm Springs going to dinner and we drove past this big church in Palm Springs and he goes, you know, that's the biggest church here in the Valley. And I was, went there the other day and he goes, boy, the pastor was doing really great. He was just really rolling through his sermon and then the fog machine malfunctioned and it kind of blew the mood. <laughs> so, oh, and you know, in yeah. his way he had made a, through his humor, he had made a tremendous point. It's, it's very troubling, and, and the churches really need to be careful. Yes. They really need to be careful. Yes. John Haller is our guest today. Thank you, John. We have to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the actual Hunter Biden laptop. It is a story. Even now, according to some mainstream progressive liberal media outlets, they're admitting that it's true. It is a thing. So we'll discuss media malpractice. We'll also discuss Israel and ESPN and Disney, and we'll get to Yuval Noah Harari when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So CNN finally admitted that Hunter Biden's, by the way, I didn't realize CNN was still on the air. Apparently they are. Um, but they they finally admitted that Hunter Biden's laptop is authentic. How long did it take them to acknowledge a true factual story? 532 days after it was initially reported by a few, a handful of truth reporters or, or conservative outlets. Now, 532 days after the story broke, when was that? October of 2020, just before the November election, because his daddy was running for president and the media had to protect the American people. Right. They couldn't let the American people know anything that was going on. This deep corruption. And and I'm not even mentioning China in this context, John will. But I'm talking about this laptop that had just some horrific information and images and some history on Hunter Biden, the former Obama administration vice president's son, that Hunter Biden. That's right. It's horrific excuse for journalism. And John Haller, uh, whatever you want to share about well, this. The, the vice president who told a prosecutor, told that if uh, Burisma, the company that was paying Hunter Biden $50,000 a month in Ukraine, the Ukrainian gas company, that they would lose billions of dollars in aid from the United States. That that vice president? That vice that, president, that, yes. Listen, this is, again, this is... This is a this is a criminal organization that we have going on here, and the the Biden family has made millions of dollars, millions of dollars. That's off proof of this for, it, for money from Ukraine right. and money from China. <clears throat> I mean, Hunter Biden has no redeeming value that I can determine. I'm sorry to say that, and he is making, you know, he gets these huge percentage deals for his investment fund from China. Uh, and it's just a way to launder money to, and listen, the only reason people would hire him is because he has influence with the vice president of the United States. Now the president of the United States, who I think is deeply compromised. So New York yeah. Post came out with this article a, a couple of weeks before the election and says, look at this Hunter Biden laptop. It's got all these emails on it. It's all this corruption. It's, you know, child pornography, sex pictures, cocaine parties, all this. And they, and 51 Government security, national security people came out and said, this is fake. So now we come a couple of years later, after all this stuff, where the people who were in, in about 10 to 20 percent of people who voted for Biden have said in surveys that they would have, if they'd known that this laptop was true, they would not have voted for Biden. That would have changed the election results. So now here comes a couple of weeks of the New York Times in paragraph 24 of an article and says, well, you know, it does look like these emails are authentic. And then the new Washington Post came out with a huge two-page spread in the middle of the front section, uh, taking off a column long, uh, one column length article on the front page and said, yeah, we there are 125,000 uh, emails there, uh, 22 or 25,000 of them we've authenticated as real, not fake. We've had experts look at them. They were not military because what they claim was, oh, the, the Russians made up all 129,000 right. emails. Right. I mean, like, so, do you know how complicated, how long that would take? So now we have that and they're like, well, you know, but we don't think anything's going to come of this now. Well, I now, of course. That, 
I think that this may be Biden is not doing very well. And it may be that the the deep state, the elites that run everything in Washington have decided that it's time to get rid of Biden. But I want an apology from those 51 national security people. In fact, here's what we do. Go revoke their security clearances for life mm-hmm. and cut off their ability to make money off the garbage that they did in government. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I said this, if, if I was elected president, for the next time, the first thing I would do is I would, I would have <laughs> stacks of executive orders ready to go. And I would say, I'm not doing an, I'm not doing an inaugural address. I have work to do. I'll say some comments after the parade, you guys go enjoy the parade. I've got work to do. And I would go sign <laughs> all those executive orders to undo everything. And then I would have security, uh, uh technical security people go to all of the Obama appointees that got sort of lifetime jobs in the government is the deep state. And I would put them in. You remember that um, uh, the, the cage, uh, Faraday cage that uh, Gene Hackman used in the Will Smith movie. Uh, this is the pre-slapping Will Smith yeah. in uh, Enemy of the State. Yes, yes. Where, you know, you could not get anything in out. I would put them in buildings where they could not, they wouldn't get a cell phone. They could communicate on, uh, you know, computer within the building give them a version of the metaverse and let them play around. You can't fire them because of the way the federal rules are. So just put them someplace where they can't do any damage and get rid of them day one. Just say, you guys are, you guys are, you're not going to do anything. You'll get your money, but go leave us alone. We've got work to do for the government. That's what I would do. So John, really quickly, you, um, you want to know what, uh, what the enemy is doing. So you go to all these liberal, secular Marxist, progressive, uh, media outlets, and I'm sure there are other descriptors I could have added to that. And you look and seek because they have an antichrist worldview. You look and see what they're reporting, and have any of them said anything about them? They're claiming to be legitimate news organizations, and yet they punted on this story for a year and a half. Uh, have right. any of well, them said anything, let alone apologize, but said anything like, "Okay, we we now know that it's true." Well, the Washington Post made no apology. Right, uh, and right. listen, the, the, the guy that owns the Washington Post is one of the two or three richest people on the planet. They could afford to have this thing analyzed in pretty short order. It just takes some money. Lawyers do this in law firms all the time. So, look, it appears that there's an agenda because Washington Post, I think even CNN, New York Times have now come out and said, yeah, you know, some of the stuff on this laptop is real. Well, if some of it is real, all of it is real, folks. Hmm. Uh, and this would have changed the election. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's something going on that they're trying. I mean, this this Biden thing is just not uh, working very well. Mm-mm. And they're looking for an out. But, you know, what do we get? We get Kamala Harris. Yeah, that, uh, it's yeah, just, we're it's it's a, it's a no win situation if something does happen to Biden. By the way, I want to get your take on something, John. I've been on the record to say that it doesn't matter how low Biden's disapproval ratings, his job approval is. It doesn't matter how low. I think it's under 26 percent. It might, maybe it might be in the teens at this point. And even Democrats say he's not doing I think he's a still above job. Congress, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. The Pelosi-led Just, Congress. Yeah, I'm not surprising. Right. But anyway, historic lows. I say that will not affect the next election. Now, the midterms, they may get, you know, they're— you know, whatever that's it, it's going to be a, a, a landslide in Republican victories, I believe, in the midterms. But when you talk about another presidential election, I have said that approximately 95 percent of registered Democrats will just vote for the next Democrat. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. And I listen, I just have in the back of my mind that something's going to be done. I think that this influx of immigrants through the southern border which is now at somewhere around 7,000 people per day, which the government is saying we're going to get rid of Title 42, which was our ability to keep them out because of COVID. What they're doing now is they're bringing them in, they're vaccinating them, and they're bringing them in, they're sh- shipping them all over the countries, very often to red states. And they're, I'm just telling you, they are going to work to get these people to vote. And I, I, in the back of my mind, I think that they will put something in place near the election here in the midterms that says, listen, uh, we're having another outbreak mm-hmm. of Charlie Vector 019, or which I call this what the word I use. That's my YouTube, YouTube uh, <laughs> term for COVID. Charlie Vector 019. 
Yep. And we you, we really can't have you voting unless you're vaccinated. Well, now they have all these immigrants that are vaccinated. So that's oh. one thing that they'll be able to prove. Now, I, I don't know. I And that number is going to increase to um, 18,000 people, 18 to 20,000 people per day coming across the border mm. starting in May. Now, that's a lot of people that can change the election. And we can't even get our Republican-controlled Supreme Court in the in Ohio can't approve the dis- redistricting maps that the legislature has now set up three times. So we, we have a primary coming up, but we have no—people don't know which district they live in. Wow. Wow. It's just the whole it's thing is out. And this is a Republican state. This is insanity. Well, John, really quick, I have a story here uh, from uh, Prophecy News Watch. It says the exodus from U.S. cities. In, in, now, this is Americans is gaining speed and Americans, they say, are voting with their feet. Here's what's going on. The states with the most inbound migration in 2021, meaning people are moving to these states, were South Carolina, Idaho, Tennessee, North Carolina and Florida. Now, most of them, North Carolina is a coin flip, but most of them are red states. Now, the leading outbound states where people are moving out of, listen to this, Illinois, California, New Jersey, Michigan, and New York, all blue strongholds. But here's the problem is the blue strongholds are going to continue to be the blue strongholds. Right, exactly, exactly. And my concern is that the people from the blue strongholds that are moving to the red states are going to vote like they still live in the blue strongholds. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And it's the the whole thing is out of control. Okay. I'm uh, ready for the Lord to return. Because yeah, this, me too. We're not fixing I know, this. I, don't I know. Well, let's move on. Before we get to the Yuval Harari information, and guys, uh, I have said this. Uh, he's one of the most evil and dangerous people on the planet, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. John Haller knows a lot more about this guy's background. We opened up segment two talking about him yesterday on the podcast. Um, but ESPN. Um, they are owned by Disney. Disney has become a corrupt, perverse corporation, and uh, Christians are still supporting them with whether it's their movies. They are now putting LGBTQ characters in their movies. This is their policy now. And I have another article. ESPN announced uh, the the announcers took a moment of silence in protest of the so-called Don't Say Gay bill. This was for the women's NCAA. By the way, it's interesting they still call it the women's NCAA tournament. John, uh, your thoughts about the, the what's Disney, what's happening there with Disney and uh, ESPN? Well, look, they they have an agenda. They, you know, we just had the transgender day of visibility. There's a huge dispute going on in the UK right now with this transgender thing. By the way, the human rights campaigns misspelled visibility, so I, they don't get the sexuality right. They're not, they can't even spell. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, Disney has, has said, uh, one of the people said, and Christopher Rufo, who's done great work on this for city journal yep. said, listen, you know, they, the president says wants 50%, over 50% of the lead characters of substance in Disney productions to be minority or LGBTQIA clearly identified people. Mm-hmm. You just had a woman won one of the events at the NCAA women's championship. Now they had women's basketball last a couple nights ago and they had men's basketball last night. And so nobody seemed to be confused there, but <laughs> the ESP during the tournament, right. Uh, with a game, I believe involving South Carolina, the eventual champion, the two announcers said, we, we want to have a moment of silence so that for about a minute or two, they sat there and just let the action go on on the court and they didn't say anything in support of our, this transgender right. So Disney is doing this. It's, 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 I was just sent something this morning. Let me just share this quickly. A sure. friend of mine, uh, had, a, a child in her care who was watching a Disney program called DuckTales this morning and a cartoon Disney cartoon and the show was called uh, Mervana and it would talked about the fact that well you know the mermaids in in in, in UK mermaids is a transgender organization right. look it up right and transgender supporting and breathe in breathe out bring peace and it says and the mermaids say we will help you find your own truth this light ties back into what I was telling you about the emergent church wow. so this stuff this is five-year-old kids six-year-old kids four-year-old kids are watching this they're yep. being indoctrinated I, I think it's come to the point 
where people have got to get their kids out of the uh, public schools, if at all possible. And this may be a way that people in the church can help up with homeschooling and that type of thing. I just, I hate to say that there, there are still good organizations, but this stuff is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Critical race theory, the transgender nonsense, the department of justice. I sent you a, a, did a news release in a letter last week saying if a state, mainly a red state, and acts a law to prevent puberty blockers to be assi- uh, prescribed to children, like under 18, we are coming after them to sue them. That's the Department of Justice. Wow. I see. That, I have like, that. That's the most important thing. And listen, these this- puberty blockers, they are off-label uses. They are not even approved FDA analyzed uses. We don't know what the long-term effects are. You can only imagine how bad they are. Let's emphasize that this is from the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. And yes, this is um, really concerning, John. Thank you for sending this to me. It's discriminatory Uh, and they're they're coming. I mean, listen, you need to understand everything they're being done in D.C. by this administration. I cannot think of a single thing that they are doing except to tear down traditional values and destroy well, the, the United States. Yeah, the warfare. Christian worldview. I, I just, yeah. I can't say it any other way. Yes, the Christian worldview. John, we're going to play this clip, and we're running up uh, two minutes to the break. We're going to talk more about Yuval Noah Harari when we come back, but the, our listeners have to get a taste of this. Uh, Travis, go ahead and play clip one. Humans can use their language not only to describe reality, but also to create new realities, to create fiction. A human can say, look, there's a lion, or look, there's a banana. But a human can also say, look, there's a God above the clouds. And if you don't do what I tell you to do, God will punish you. And if you believe this fictional story, then you will do what you are told to do. And this is the secret behind large-scale human cooperation. So that's Yuval Harari, and yesterday we played a clip of him saying this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the Son of God is fake news. Um, He's a globalist. He's uh, anti-Christ. John uh, has some more background on him in a minute. John, you want to give us a little flavor so we can uh, tease that and come back and talk more about him? He's a very widely published author. He's sold somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 35 to 40 million books, uh, Homo Deus, I think you mentioned it yesterday, uh, Sapiens. Deus. And now he has one for Lessons for Living in the 21st, 21 Lessons for Living in the 21st Century. Now he's got children's books. He's got illustrated books, A History of, of Sapiens. Uh, he's gay. Uh, he is very anti-God. He is an atheist. Uh, he is, spoke at, I don't know if he's still at Tel Aviv University or not, but he speaks all over the place. I mean, yes. Just Google him. Very influential. And look him up. And he is very much to be uh, a thing. He is a, a humanist. Uh, he is anti-God. I, I just, just no other way to say it. We will expound on that when we come back from our break. What is a humanist? I think most of our listeners understand that, but we're always getting new people tuning into the podcast. So today our guest is John Haller. We're blessed to have him on with us and uh, check out his prophecy updates on the Fellowship Bible Chapel YouTube channel. And uh, we'll talk more about this when we come back about Harari. Also, Israel, the two-state summit. We'll try to get to that and some globalist news as well on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Now, why is data so important? It's important because we've reached the point when we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms. There is a lot of talk these days about hacking computers and email accounts and bank accounts and mobile phones, but actually we are gaining the ability to hack human beings. That was Yuval Noah Harari. Um, I think that may have come from a TED Talk. and he, So humans are hackable beings, hackable animals, he said. Um, in another quote, he said, what do we need humans for? Or at least, what do we need so many humans for? 
Um, John, your thoughts on yeah. hum, humans, so, humans now being hackable. What does that mean? And yeah, so the, the first clip was from 2014 TED Talk. Okay. The clip you just played was from the probably the first. Uh, I did an update back in February of 2018. He had spoken at Davos, and he mm-hmm. talked about uh, will the future be human was the title of this talk. And he talked about we're now at the point where we can hack humanity, and by intelligent design, we can change humanity because we will now be able to determine for people – what they're thinking before they think it because of the way we'll do this biometric tracking and all the stuff. And this raises all these questions about Mark of the Beast. And he even talks about digital dictatorship and that type of thing. So transhumanism. And and transhumanism and that type of thing. And, you know, you know, you have Elon Musk wanting to put neural link chips in people uh, to, to track, you know, their thinking and enhance humanity and, and, but it's very interesting. Harari is a medieval Middle Ages historian, historian about the Middle Ages. And he said a very interesting thing in that it was either his 2018 or 2020 talk at Davos. And he said, listen, in the Middle Ages, the serfs, you know, the, the lowest people in, in society were kept around because they provided a service to the Lord of the manor. They did farming. They cleaned up the, the stall, you know, the, the junk in the stalls and that type of thing. But now we're reaching a stage where there will be people who have no value to add to society. And what do we do with them? Now, this is very troubling. Yes. And so part of maybe they build the metaverse. So we will give these guys a universal basic income and they will, um, um, you know, they'll, they'll just um, sit around and play in the metaverse. And I mean, there are people buying real estate in the metaverse. There, there are practice groups set up by lawyers now. What is the metaverse? To, the metaverse, this is what it's sort of a digital virtual reality thing that's being pushed by Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, <laughs> Zuckerberg or whatever his name is. And uh, he, he, uh, by the way, go watch David Wood's uh, take on an interview with Zuckerberg. Uh, it's quite uh, Act 17 apologetics. Yep, it's love really David quite Wood. good. Yep. And, and so they're, they're building this virtual reality thing. And, and this is very troubling. So Harari is, You know, a lot of people for a while, I thought, you know, he's in on it or is he just sort of like concerned now? I think he's in on it and he seems to be the philosophical underpinnings for the World Economic Forum and a lot of these things that are going on uh, where people are trying to take control of things. And, Mm -hmm. they, you know, they were Klaus Schwab wrote a book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, and you talk about it. And you're called a conspiracy theorist. Not anymore. So <laughs> this week at the World Economic or the World Government Summit in Dubai, and Dubai seems to be central to a lot of this in mm-hmm. the Middle East. They're you know very economically rich. They have oil, which I guess they could still sell and make money. But they've also way, found a way to make money off of sand. They sell the land and they make a ton of money. And that's sort of the tallest, some of the tallest building. The tallest building on the planet is there in Dubai. And this week they had another conference. They had these all the time there, World Government Summit 2022. And during the World Government Summit, a economist named Pippa Malgram, her father had been an economist for Kennedy and Nixon and helped take the U.S. off the gold standard and that type of thing. And she talked about that the world financial system is about to switch accounting systems and transfer to digital money. But she didn't talk about like, the cryptocurrency that we're talking about, which is sort of decentralized, it will be what they call CBD, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Mm-hmm. Now, she did sort of say, well, you know, we may need a digital bill of rights huh. so people can't, so the government can't misuse this. But when you talk about this, and the, and the Biden government put out an executive order on March 9th saying that we need to study central bank digital currencies. And last week, a week ago, uh, yesterday, they introduced into Congress a law to have this studied by the Federal Reserve. And so this is coming. This is in in digital currency. But the problem is that when they talk about it, they talk about being programmable. Well, what what does that mean? Well, it means what people like Yuval Harari say, or other people, these globalists and these people want to control everything. So- Your, your money that you have will be programmable. So you go to the, um, you go to the store and they will say, well, uh, John Haller, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of been tracking you and, uh, we don't think you need fries with your (laughs) burger. In fact, we don't even think you need a burger. You should have a salad. So if you try to buy a burger, 
your money won't work because it's programmable. And so this is like a total control system. And this sounds very much like what we talk about in Revelation chapter 13, Mm. that what's going to happen. So this Pippa Malgram, um, she, you know, it's smart lady and everything, but she's talking about this and she's, um, you know, they're just, this is the world government summit. And in the beginning of the world government summit, though, very interestingly, in this session, this was like the first main session on March 29th. You can go, go look it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Anderson was the moderator. Um, Fred Kemp from Atlantic Council, a guy from UAE, Pippa Malgram, and I can't remember the other person off the top of my head. They were talking about this. And the title of the session was, Are You Ready for a New World Order? Yep. And in her opening remarks, Becky Anderson made these comments about, Are You Ready for a New World Order? And we were at an inflection point and she was using the exact same language, just in reverse order that Biden had used in his talk at the business roundtable a week before. Yes, let's emphasize so, that. And and Biden, by the way, was praised in 2016 by Klaus Schwab. Um, so let, let's make sure that we understand the connections here and that, uh, you know, Biden and Justin Trudeau and these others, you know, they are falling right in line with uh, this world globalist takeover. Well, Davos had a meeting in earlier this year, virtual, and one of the big sessions was the featured speaker on the panel was uh, Anthony Fauci, our guy who's uh, now uh, sort of backing back back filling what he used to say about natural immunity <laughs> because of the money that the drug companies give and the money the drug companies fund all these news programs. I mean, it's just it, it's like above fifty percent, I believe. So. Anyway, back to the World Government Summit. So they're talking about digital programmable money. Mm -hmm. And so this is how they're going to uh, control people. And it does sound remarkably like what we know is coming is this mark of the beast. In early March, Bill Gates uh, has invested in a company called Chaotic Moon down in Austin, Texas. What's that? They're making up tech tats. Tattoos. Tattoos. That's right. right. Which they put on people and they use them. I mean, the, the... the thing that they use is they show this young girl with a tattoo on her head, a tech, go look to chaotic moon on, on YouTube. <laughs> she has a, a tech tattoo on her head and her mother holds it up there and it gives them biometric information about her. Oh, that's right. And then they also say, we not only want biometric information, but financial information. And this will be great. We can put it on your arm. We can put it on your head and it'll be secure because you can lose your wallet but wait a minute, somebody could cut off your arm too and use it maybe. You, you understand what yes, I'm saying is yes. that I don't think they think this thing through. But isn't it interesting we live at this time where people have been conditioned for years now to get all of these tattoos. This will just be another tattoo. It'll be a mark of, of you know, your uh, being along everything in society. So, uh, John, and we that's, we've been talking a little bit about this. We'll hear more about it as well. We've got to shift topics now and talk a little bit about Israel. And um, uh, just a week or so ago, we're talking about Israel's Bennett uh, hit Biden's handlers and their determination to sign the nuclear deal, nuclear deal with Iran at almost any cost. And it says the makeup of Biden's administration is it's loaded with haters of Israel. Let's start there and let's just move on. Yeah. And I'm going to try to put up a little midweek update here probably tomorrow about I'll talk a little bit more about a couple of these topics because uh, we just seem to run out of time. David. Yes, we do. <laughs> you see, you, you talk too much. <laughs> and um, but so what what's happened in Israel and Caroline Glick, she's got a great uh, podcast she just put up yesterday with David Wormser. It says Israel is at a make or die moment. They've had terror attacks. Uh, one coming out of the Galilee region in the north, one in the central region, and one in Beersheba. 11 or 12 Israelis were were killed. I think that might include the terrorists that did these. These were ISIS-affiliated. So Israel is in a very much of a big state of concern. So they had a summit in the Sinai with Sharm el-Sheikh with Egypt and uh, uh, the UAE and I think Bahrain. Then they decide, well, we're going to have one over in the Negev in Israel with, and we're going to include the United States in this. Egypt didn't come, but the United States came. But the comments of Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is just got to be one of the most, probably the most, his incompetence may exceed Joe Biden's and Kamala Harris's combined. (laughs) 
Uh, he came in and he just said, so he started talking about, oh, well, we need to stop the settler violence. And when you look at the statistics, yeah, so look, some of the settlers get upset in Israel. It's a very tense place. They live in these areas that are supposedly across the what they call the green line and what they call Palestinian areas. It's actually biblical Judea and Samaria. And he's talking about, and then he says, we're committed to the two-state solution. So what was a conference that I think Israel leadership did not plan very well? They completely messed up. These people come in and the United States comes in and they completely undermine anything that Israel's doing with trying to put into this regional alliance with these Arab Sunni Arab states against Iran. And we're going to get end up with this new Iran agreement and maybe even without the Iran agreement, uh, Iran's going to end up getting about a hundred billion dollars. Uh, Iran has done tremendous work in developing missile technology Hmm. And now they're going to give them stuff where they may have breakout capability to make a nuclear weapon with anywhere from a month to two years. And, and we're giving them the money to fund them. We want to remove the Iranian Revolutionary Guard as a terrorist organization. It is still a terrorist organization. right? And as Caroline says, is the, uh, this two-state solution, you cannot have a two-state solution when you have these people in the Palestinian area that are trying to kill you. I mean, you, you can't get rid of it. There's a lot of good Arab Israelis. Okay. Let's make that clear. But there is this Islamic radical Islamic faction that's there. Hamas, Islamic Jihad, you have Hezbollah in Lebanon, and it's all very, very difficult and troubling. And so this is a, a very difficult time for the state of Israel. And I do think that this, plays well into Bible prophecy because we know that this will be the epicenter of a lot of things that happen in the end times so John, in Israel. And we see a lot of that forming right now. We only have a minute left. And Caroline Glick's article uh, on the two-state summit, uh, she, she explains why it's making a comeback. Can you just kind of give us the uh, summation of what that article is? She, she hits a lot of really important points in it, but how would you describe her take on that? Look, she's a Zionist. She believes that the state of Israel is important, and I believe it as well. I believe its founding, its development over the last uh, century, uh, its founding in 1948, the reunification of Jerusalem in 67 has been a, a modern miracle. It's unbelievable the way the land has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, look, the we need to have a Zionist enterprise here in Israel to protect us. We, we don't forget the Holocaust. And now these people, these peace organizations and left-wing uh, Jewish people in the United States and in Israel want to get rid of the state of Israel, and mm. we will lose our protection. Without yeah. Zionism, she says, Israel be, will be incapable of defeating the new terror onslaught. It will be unable to block Iran's path to nuclear-armed regional hegemony, mm. and it will be unable to contend with the Biden administration, which is facilitating both. I, I agree wholeheartedly with her. Yeah, I'll put that link in our podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. God bless you, John. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. Thank you, David. Yep. Tomorrow, Jay Warner Wallace. He's got a book out, Person of Interest. And we've got Dr. Mark Christian on Thursday, and he's got a book out, and he's had a radical conversion experience. We'll talk about that. Thank you guys so much. Again, check out redpillprints.com and their page dedicated to this podcast, Stand Up For The Truth. And as always, thank you, and God bless you. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.